Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 45 of the PDH Pod, the one and only Magic the Gathering podcast dedicated to the total exploration of the Pauper Commander format. I am your host, Brad Drack V, and let's see what my uh, my one regular co-host from the East Coast is up to, Dave the Alcadron Vader. How are things? Things are pretty good. I am on April vacation. I am chilling. I, uh, I have big plans this vacation. I yeah. have a week-long date with my couch. It's going. Yeah, that's what you said last week. Sounds good. Your your couch and your TV and your fridge. I think I think we're the ones involved in that date. I don't actually really have a TV. I have a laptop computer. If I want to watch ah. things, I just do that. But yeah, the couch, <laughs> the couch and the fridge. Uh, we have been we've been chilling. We've been hanging out. It's been good. Yeah, sounds like a perfect vacation to me. Yeah. How are you? Uh, I am doing well. This is sort of the the highlight of my last few days since since Saturday night. Things have been a little chaotic. I like. In the middle of a stream, internet went out. We didn't get it back for like 36 hours. So my, my echoing truth is still yet to resolve. Oh, Sorry, no. Ryan. And then work has just been absolutely nuts, like the last, like pretty much all week. So finally get to chill out, talk some PDH. This is the first time I've even been able to think about PDH or really magic in general all week. So so I'm looking forward to it. Awesome. No, and no, no pressure, this... episode mm-hmm. guests, but make this a good one. Make it. A good one. I'm Too bad Liam now. isn't here. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? For the second week in a row, Liam, the PDH PhD, is off due to his recent nuptials. Congratulations, Liam. Can't wait for you. He's to getting hitched. Back, but uh, I don't know if oh. y'all saw his Twitter, maybe here in the Discord, but he's, it looks like he's getting married in the Shire. <laughs> yeah. His pictures were, were magical. He does have a least. beautiful venue, for sure. Yeah, it is very nice. Incredible. Very nice. I'm quite jealous. Oh, I'm sorry. All right. Anywho, this is episode 45, so you know how we do it. Just like every 15th episode, we brought the PDH pals into the PDH studio to join us today. Welcome, gentlemen. Ooh, ooh, Thanks ooh, for coming ooh, back. Ooh, ooh, ooh. How's it going, y'all? We have a bonus pal with us today. Uh, we do. The last the last two times we've brought you pals, we have brought you John Drixis and Eric Sniffow. And today, we are upping the ante. We have with us... Ooh. Special guest, Jeremy Archon Mage. Yeah, welcome, Jeremy. Thanks for having, guys. Ben, they've they've brought it up the previous two, um, but actually finally had some time uh, to come on here, and I'm excited to talk Popper Commander. Yeah, absolutely. Should be a good time. You know, Brad, we warned you on episode 15 that the pals were going to take over this fucking podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and now we got three and a half to one. What are you going to do, buddy? Yeah, you're know. outnumbered Not now. Much. <laughs> three and a half to one. Wait, wait, wait Three son? and a half. You're, I, you're having I half a pal, but I... But I don't count as a PDH pod. Is, that... <laughs> is it not three and a half to one and a half? The numbers are a little skewed. All right, <laughs> numbers yeah, are fake. It's quite okay. Check out, but I'm, I'm, yeah, that's right. They're an illusion. It's all fake. I'm still frightened. Either way, it's all right. You'll draw some well, cards, get some treasures. All right. Before I get overthrown, I should probably do some housekeeping for the, <laughs> for the PDH pod here. <laughs> as usual, we are the PDH pod everywhere you want to check us out. But if you like the show and like what we're doing, check us out over on Patreon. By being a Patreon, you get access to the pre-show, which is usually 
roughly a bonus episode every week or so. Post the show notes there. You can check those out. Follow along, if you will. I post the episodes there before they go live. And then uh, being a patron gets you access to the PDH Pod Discord. You can hang out with us, talk about decks, talk about dogs, talk about cards, talk about whatever you want to. It's a really good time. Good conversation to be had by all. We are the PDH Pod on YouTube as well. And then be sure to check out my Saturday evening PDH streams at twitch.tv slash the pdh pod so housekeeping is out of the way dave we got some this week in magic or, or what do you got going on there we do not have this week in magic because we still <gasps> do not have Gasp. uh liam with us but i can give you a very special sneak peek into this week in rules committee drama so oh uh God. i love it yeah here we go uh, a couple weeks ago on the show, Robert came on and he said, this is my soapbox. This is my opportunity. I have a voice right now. And I'm asking you, Alcadron, the RC member, why isn't Oubliette banned? And I tried my best to explain why it's not banned, even though I want it banned. And uh, he seemed vaguely sort of satisfied by that. In a completely unrelated incident, someone asked me about Oubliette on the Homebase Discord, and I answered there with a small rant as well. That rant on the Homebase Discord turned into a massive discussion in the Rules Committee Discord, and at this point I have a much fresher and more concise and clear reason for Lobbert why Oubliette is not banned and why as far as I can tell, it is unlikely to become banned anytime in the near future. Um, Let's hear it. As far as I can tell, almost everyone's take on Oubliette is it's not a problem in the competitive scene because in competitive games, it is a valid answer to meaningful problems. And if you're not prepared to play against it, you deserve the loss. Oof. This is uh, thing, Things are also being said like it's not a problem in casual games because... No one plays it in casual games because it's rude. And all of my attempts to say, okay. if this card is shadow banned in every casual group ever, doesn't that mean it's a problem? <laughs> have been met with the response, that means it's a solved problem and we do not need to intervene. So that huh. is the general that is the general consensus, as far as I can tell, amongst most of the rules committee members uh this that was the sentiment that was most commonly expressed as a i don't want to get involved in this kind of reason other sentiments that were expressed briefly were i've never seen oubliette played in a game ever that one mm -hmm. surprised me uh i i guess that person is blissfully sheltered and i they've, am been, they've been playing under not gonna a rock. Lie, little they're playing a little jealous a about yeah one person expressed that they really really loved the challenge of trying to figure out how their deck was going to counterplay against Oubliette, even if they're like red black or something. Okay. That's where we're at. I don't think it's getting banned. I think I think there are exactly two and a half people on the rules committee that want to see it banned. <laughs> and uh we, I don't think that's enough numbers yet. No, we uh when we when we first decided that we were gonna be in charge of banning things, uh we we set for ourselves we needed a supermajority vote to ban anything. So we need sure seven votes right. to to ban something and uh two and a half out of ten is not it's uh i'm no mathematician but two and a half and seven <laughs> wait wait you might be am i no sometimes sometimes only wait, on the weekend wait half so wait are you half pal and half 
<laughs> RC? <laughs> is that what this is? Uh, fractions are even more fake than numbers, so I'm oh, going no. to decline to answer that question on the grounds that it may incriminate <laughs> myself. Yeah, it's just like tiny numbers. It's like yeah. kind of stupid in my no, opinion. No, it's the know. imaginary number one. Oh, oh okay, okay. Oh. Ah, I remember those sort together. of from one of those math classes I took at some point. <laughs> You know, when eyes just randomly started finding themselves in your math equation. That's when, yeah, that's when I that gave up. Weird. When math involved letters, I'm like, no, I'm out. I'm so, like, the, the I, imaginary numbers as a concept, super cool, fascinating, very interesting. I love playing with them. As, as a name, imaginary numbers is the worst conceivable name to give. And, like, all numbers are imaginary, please. Like, <laughs> real numbers? Who named something real numbers? idiots that's who yeah, anyway, all numbers are imaginary math rant over. right they're all made up it's their ideas yeah they're not real it's all in your head numbers are exactly as real as santa claus like oh they serve goodness. a very useful function in society Spoiler alert. Wait, wait, wait. bleep that out santa's not real mark that it's a good good thing we have an editor okay yeah wait editing I'm not. No, 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 no. I don't know nothing about that. The three of us aren't doing it. The three and a half of us. The the one and a half of me will do it, or the half of me. I'm not sure. I don't even know numbers anymore. Yeah, that's really got me thinking, though. Yeah. Ever since they told me Santa's not real. Oh, man. That was a a bombshell. You got to prepare people for that. That should have been in the pre show, at least. Yeah, geez. Uh, So I liked when you guys banned uh, Mystic and Ristic. I kind of liked it because it was both at the same time. Which is the only way that band could have gone, honestly. And I like that as a band because nobody at the table, besides the person who's casting it, is happy that that card resolves or is being right. cast at all. Like, that card makes it miserable for literally everybody. Hmm. Oubliette, I can kind of see, all right, they'll t- the other people at the table might be appreciative of this getting cast, as long as it's not on them, of course, you know. So that's like one reason yeah. why it's like, all right, I understand why it's not banned. But it is a yeah. miserable card and it is a rules nightmare because of the facing it now. Right. Two quick follow-ups there. That was one of the arguments that got mentioned in the RC Discord chat was that, you know, you can dodge oubliettes by simply not being the most threatening person at the table. Oh, that's such like a if, dumb okay. reason. If, oh my god. If you're if you're if you just like, you know, pretend like you're not a threat, then the oubliette goes somewhere else and like, ah, it's mission I I don't know. Okay. Oh, that's bad. Seems, that's bad. I I, I am I am but the messenger. I, I I haven't said these things. I'm just repeating that I have heard them, seen them, seen them typed, which is a great segue into the episode. But uh, I do want to mention really quick, we had a really terrific discussion about the philosophy of bands and whether or not Oubliette should be banned here on this pre-show. Yeah, you should be a patron. You should check it out. I'm not going to repeat the whole thing here. Just wanted to give the shout out to the patreons. It's a high quality discussion. Check it out. Uh, I'm not going there right now because I want to springboard off that other thing we talked about, like being the second most threatening player. Uh-huh. And I want to turn it over to these pals so we can talk about that. Tell us what we're talking about today, pals. Hello. Hello, hello. Oh, hello, wow. hello. So, uh, you know, this actually was a little idea I threw out um, back when we were talking about what we're going to talk about. Because, you know, what have we not talked about at this point? We've done two podcasts. Uh, we've, you know, we've, we've exhausted a lot of stuff here. Um, so, Turns out so that's, my... that's about as much content as the pals are good for. It's about two. Yeah, after about that, you're scraping the bottom. <laughs> yeah, we're scraping yeah, the bottom. Two podcasts, all right. How much content we've, you we've got? Been two. Streaming for, <laughs> we've been streaming for four years, but somehow there's only two podcasts worth of information about it. 
That's why they had to drag me. Yeah, that's why we brought Jeremy. Yeah. Jeremy, we need something to talk Poor about. Poor Jeremy. Quick. I had to add something. No, but but um, my idea was, why don't we just do a bit of a deep dive on multiplayer? Kind of in general, the mentality around multiplayer. It's, it's very different than, say, 1v1. And I think anybody who watches us would say that we have a kind of a unique play style, um, the way we go about playing multiplayer. I think um, you, you could even say like our friendship comes through. You can see us kind of giving each other crap and mm -hmm. and making really ridiculous plays and doing, you know, we have all kinds of like in-jokes and memes on, you know, splitting our attacks certain ways, not really quite killing anybody, all that kind of stuff, right? right. So we have a really kind of, I think a lot of people would consider it a very bizarre play style. It's it's a lot more obvious when Brent's playing with us because we're a lot we're a lot more lenient on everything Brent does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's like certain people will just straight up treat differently. Honestly, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, for a while, everybody definitely like I don't know. Everybody would groan if I even got close to winning. I think that still happens sometimes. Um, but yeah, yeah, you're winning too much now. Yeah, that's <laughs> what happens. Stop. This is what happens. Needs this has stop. been the, the year of the John. I've been winning like crazy lately. So someone's got to stop that. But yeah, we have a weird play style. And I think play style is something that really only exists in multiplayer, which is kind of weird, if that makes sense. Like, you know, you look at 1v1, like you say, oh, I'm playing like an aggro deck or a control deck or a combo deck. Like those are kind of play styles, sort of. But like, that's kind of where it ends. Your goal is always the same. Your goal is just beat your opponent, right? Like it doesn't get much past that. But like group hug as a concept, right? That's That's a play style that only exists in multiplayer. Right. Why would you ever help your opponent if you only have one? You're not going to help them more than you're going to help yourself. It's like, what, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? And like, you can really, like, I don't know, the whole world opens up when there are three other opponents that you all kind of have to, you have to like kind of beat all of them at the same time. And like, that spawns all kinds of crazy things. Like, I was just thinking before this, how Jeremy plays his Minotaur deck. And he, he, he I don't know when he started doing this, but he, he started keeping track of how much damage everybody had done to him. And he would just, whoever had done the most to him since that turn, he would just go all out swing at them. And like, he would hold hold himself to that. And it's like, why? Like, doesn't make any sense in 1v1. You only got one person to attack. But like, yeah, play style in general, I think is something that can only really exist in, in multiplayer outside of like, you know, a type of deck. Yeah, I think I think you're totally right. I while you were talking about that, I was thinking about the 60-card pauper players that I know in person and I and I follow on Twitter. And you're right. It's like when I think of uh, Fernando, I think of a specific deck. He, he plays blue-black fairies, and he loves it. When I think of Chris from my LGS, I think of him. He plays slivers. That's what he plays. That's his deck. Whereas when I think of Derek or Alcadron or the Pals, I think of a style of deck they play, a style that they bring to the table, not necessarily just a singular deck. Exactly. Or a singular yeah. archetype, if you will. Yeah, it goes beyond just like the 99 cards you put in your deck. Right. It's kind of like, what are you trying to accomplish? And there are, you know, the objectives are very different, I would say, in multiplayer. Sure, you want to win, but you don't just have to beat another person, right? Right. It's it's very wide open. It's It's kind of unsolved in my opinion. Sure, that's a good way to put it. Sometimes mm -hmm. winning is casting a turn one burning inquiry. I mean, that's some people's victory. Yeah. <laughs> here's here's the, the problem with that. How can you copy it on turn one? Mm. 
I feel like you you're need at... at least a little bit of setup. No, here no, no. It's easy. The, it's easy. The Rutha, no, no. You're uh, you're at the you're at the new plane. What's that oh, new yeah. plane that demonstrates? Oh, the Strix Haven. The demonstrate plane. The Strix Haven. Three of them. Yeah. Oh, it's beautiful. Is it Strix Haven? Yeah. Yep. I don't know the name of it, but yeah. it's Strix Haven. Okay. Yeah, you do it three times. That's Whole new random starting hand. Nice. Yeah, it does demonstrate. So you can have an opponent copy it, and if you do, you get to copy it. So <laughs> there you go. It's all <laughs> nice. Yes. Fresh hand. I like that with Flame Rift a little more, though. I oh, mean, that sounds good. No one's planes walking away. No one's leaving that they're place. Just hoping, they're just hoping to get their land drop. <laughs> At that point, Jesus. <laughs> Incredible. But yeah, I mean, it's that, I, and I said unsolved. I, I think that's that's kind of like I, I don't know. I feel like we will we'll always be like talking before uh, we start streaming a bit, and sometimes we'll just have like kind of random rants about like what is competitive versus casual in multiplayer. Like, what really does it mean? Like, we don't know hard answers. We don't have hard metrics for these kinds of things, mm-hmm. like you would maybe in one v one. Um, cause like, you know, I don't want to like, I don't want to generalize magic players too much, but I would say magic players are like very analytical, you know, like they want the numbers. They want to know like what's going to win, you know, what, what, what's the best deck? What are the, what's the best list for it? How, you know, how can I get like 5%? Like, like if I'm playing Jund modern, like <laughs> I noticed I added a fourth lightning bolt to my deck and now I have a 3% higher win rate at my, you know, Friday night magic or whatever, yep. like. They want to like you know get the numbers, and they want to they want an answer, right? They want to be like, this is it. I this is strictly better. This is the, the how to win. They they want like to write it out and read a giant primer on it and all that. Yep. I mean, look and, look at how many of them use the uh, hyper geometric calculations constantly when they're yeah. building decks, building sideboards, that sort of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that. Sure. They're like, I want to draw my sideboard card, you know, eight percent of the time, so I need to have this many copies or whatever. Yeah. Like. They really want to crunch the numbers. And I think it's just so much more complicated to do that. Not like multiplayer in general, but even harder in PDH, where there's not like a wealth of tournament data to <laughs> study or yeah. anything like that. Like, I feel like the, I mean, if you even want to call anything the best decks, like those have changed a lot in the last year. And I don't even keep up with it much. But. It sounds like aggro's getting way bigger mm-hmm. and like combos falling off a bit. I don't even know. I'm just talking on my ass a bit, but that's what I've been hearing. No, that's about it. Yeah. Yeah. You nailed it. Right. So it's, I don't know. It's just kind of like, um, I think it's a natural thing that, that players want that answer, but I think it's, it's hard to really um, give that, you know, like what is the best strategy in multiplayer? I don't know. I mean, the PDH pals play a certain way, but you know what? At the end of each game, somebody wins. There's still, yeah, there's still a win rate of you know, 100%, I guess. <laughs> yeah. There's right. a winner. Every game has and to And the end. winner made choices that they don't even understand. Yeah. And why were those the right ones? I don't know. It's player mentality. We could talk about that. We could say it's just because someone else was more threat. I mean, like, there's so many variables. How do you really say like, oh, that was clearly the best play? Really clearly, clearly, Obviously. like hands down. How, like, how can you say that? No matter what, <laughs> I don't know. You swung at him. This isn't why? Like, what, why'd you swing at him? What's going on? Yeah, yeah. Like this isn't like burn mirror and legacy, and you like didn't cast a lightning bolt at your opponent. Like, it's way more complicated. <laughs> you lose because you didn't draw a fire blast. Sorry, buddy. Yeah, right. That's why you lost. You should have drawn it. Yeah. You know, like it's way easier to point fingers in one v one, but multiplayer. Yeah. 
I don't know. It's like impossible to say. Multiplayer, like any a million things can go wrong in a second. Sure. Yeah, you could you could show up to the house you go to every four years. It's 100 degrees outside and the <laughs> air conditioning broke. Yeah. You're probably not going to make the same plays. That's fair. You know, they came they came like a week and a half ago to, to check it, and they still haven't been re- replied back to us at all. Oh, no. Just, it's just embarrassing, dude. Rental, rentals are a nightmare. Yeah, yeah, they can be. But no, he's right, though. Yeah. If it's 100 degrees, you're not going to play the same way you always do. Yeah, I'm not playing Jungle Barrier, all right? I'm playing, you're playing some sort of aggro You're playing Minotaurs and trying to go home. Yeah, right. I'm trying to get out of this house. So, <laughs> so Whatever is the quickest in, game. In, yeah, in, let's go. So I don't even want to play Minotaurs anymore because it's too slow. Which is Waiting yeah. to play your commander on turn five yeah. to give the rest of your Minotaurs haste is the, the card quality of the commanders and the commons has gone up so much. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's through the roof. It, it's crazy now it is. Yeah, I mean, that's why I've been saying... From what I understand, aggro is is getting a lot better and competitive, because I think that's that's kind of the part of the card pool that seems to be getting way better, right? Is creatures. Well, they can't make a better yeah. counter They're spell, not... you know what I'm saying? Right, right. And, and put it at common at least. They can put it at like rare or whatever. Yeah, right. like combo, kind of is what it is, right? Like maybe you can slot out some counter spells for better ones. You very, very, very rarely get a tutor that's yeah. relevant, mm-hmm. but it does what it does. Creatures. You know, an aggro deck might run 20 creatures. And so each one is kicking out crap and replacing it with hyper-efficient stuff. So, like, if creatures keep getting printed better and better, then I feel like aggro is just going to get better and better. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. They're never going to yeah, print like... a better Counterspell or Bolt, but they're definitely going to print a better Grizzly Bear. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Right. Not on an aesthetic level, because the original Grizzly Bear is perfect, but... That's true. <laughs> they can't prove on that. But yeah, kind of like what you were saying, you know, and what... If you're a 60-card deck builder in a 1v1 format, you are building your deck in a way such that you're trying to take as much variance out of the game as possible and just win. Right. Whereas yeah. other than putting in putting cards in your deck that sort of do the same thing, you can't take a whole lot of the variance out of multiplayer games, at least singleton games, singleton decks, yeah. singleton formats. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, there's a real struggle to take variance out and, like, just like, uh, I don't know, boil everything down, right? And just say like, yeah, because like a 60-card deck, especially like so many decks, it's just like, what, nine four-ofs yeah. in 24 mm-hmm. lands? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're basically playing a nine-card deck. Yeah, exactly. Right? Like, yeah, it's, you can, you can you know, you can goldfish that 30 times and say exactly what will happen, you know, on average. But 99 singleton? <laughs> Good luck. I mean, <laughs> yeah, even if it's monocolor, like, you're and, and I mean... Also, common only, right? Like you're you're scraping the bottom of the barrel. Sure. Like you're you're getting all kinds of random crap in there, and you you have even less card selection than say EDH, where you know I know a lot of people in EDH hate tutors, but there's a lot of them, and you can you can have a very consistent singleton deck in EDH, but in PDH, you got what Mergent Scroll, a couple transmutes. Yep. Yeah, and the tutors we have are good, but they're not even near EDH level good. Oh, yeah, for sure. Shrine Steward. That's the best yeah. one. It's a good one. It attacks. It does. It's beautiful. It's shield that the artifact one no. that gets an aura? I do love the Defender one. Yeah, the, the five-mana artifact that tutors for an aura. Yeah. Love yeah. that card. It's really good. Yeah. We got, you know, we got some. We got a couple. Yeah, you can tutor up Defenders But uh, we don't now. have Demonic Tutor. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Imperial Seal or whatever. Oh, man. But, you know, oh, and... Um, and then, go ahead. I was going to say, and, and the things you're potentially tutoring for at Common aren't that good 
Yeah. Yeah. You go tutor that one card that, you know, what, Cyclonic Rift or whatever. <laughs> right. You just yeah. go get the juice. Yeah. Where here it's like, okay, I guess you could get that that one card we talked about earlier. Uh, it's like. What, Obulet or whatever. Yeah. If you really wanted to. But that card didn't get run anyways. It's like I'll tutor for a merchant scroll, and then that'll tutor for a high tide, and maybe next turn I'll win. Yeah, because yeah, uh, if yeah, you're tutoring like, like seven... that, then everyone knows exactly what you're going to get. Yeah, and right. why okay, you're I'll getting go it. Tutor for yeah, I'll go tutor for gray merchant. Okay, well I don't have any more mana to play it, so we'll kill all your creatures with devotion. Yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead and hold this counter spell. <laughs> mm. You have to, you have to play the shield wall sentinel. To tutor for your drift of phantasms. Yeah. To mm. transmute for your ghostly flicker. Okay. So you can flicker the shield wall sentinel and get your mnemonic wall with the flicker. See, things are happening yes. now. It's a perfect It only costs like 18 <laughs> mana. <laughs> well, you, you played high tide first, so. Uh, oh, okay. It's not a high tide's in the mix, too. Okay, cool. Wait, yeah, wait. Actually, at and some then... point, you just already went infinite with Paragon Drake, so this is all kind of. <laughs> no, yeah. no, no, no. no. These, these, are def- these are defenders, all right? So then you pull some Marasa back. Oh, my God. Drift to Phantasm. Oh, Lord. And you <laughs> tutor again for. Um, Robin Keep. Ro- no, no <laughs> you Axeman Guardian. Okay. Right. And then. We start there. You know, yeah. And then you evolution um, charm the Drift of Phantasm back. You get free from the real. There we go. There we go. <laughs> we we it's a very simple we got process. There. Yep. We, we cracked the code. Man, why does Pulsum <laughs> why does Pulsum Ross gain six life? The card is so disgusting. That's so random. Six. Creature, it's like, yeah. creature or land. It makes me sick. <laughs> yeah. That card's pretty annoying. Speaking of streamlined combos, I saw someone posted on Reddit today where they they'd found a combo with Rocco. Their 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 plan is to use Rocco to tutor for Seeker of Skybreak and the Hanger Scavenger guy uh-huh. that lets you like infinitely loot yeah. with the Seeker. Mm-hmm. And then their plan is to like you know loot your entire deck until your hand is like these very five specific cards. Which include Metamorphose and Felden's Cane, and then you're gonna okay. use, you're gonna like pass the Metamorphose to get all the Eidolons back into your hand. Oh no! And use Felden's Cane to put your whole deck back into your library, and then like keep going until you find the actual combo. Like this is their plan. I was like, wow. They, they, they were describing that... it as it's eleven steps long, and I was like. <laughs> I was, you need I to was show amazed. that to our That's friend impressive. Deej. Yeah, 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 DJ goes off about complicated combos. Yeah, um, you know, but that's also a trademarked pals combo. Yeah, by the I was way, say, you know, the hanger back uh, seeker combo is already perfect in Ruination Rider. You don't need anything else. Yeah, yeah, you just sack it and do like thirty to someone and then die. <laughs> and well, then what else did you ever want? <laughs> yeah, what's the big deal? Yeah, that's magic, bro. It's fun. Right. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. But speaking on combo, I think there there's there's something to combo in multiplayer about taking out um, variants because I'd say for most combo decks that it kind of pulls you back into sort of a one v one mode, right? Where you have three opponents, but winning is very like binary, where it's like I comboed or I did not combo. Mm-hmm. So it kind of pulls you back into like winning or losing they're being very like black and white and i almost feel like that's why it's it's a, a popular starting place for like more com- i guess more competitive minded people that were trying to 
trying to really just win because it's like it's going back to like something we know is like one v one, right? Just assemble your combo. Just stay alive long enough. Yeah, stay alive. Don't long worry about whatever those cards doing. together, and you win. And you win, yep. and that's like satisfying to someone maybe who like has read a lot about I don't know one v one primers or something, and is like, oh yeah, I can just do that. Yeah. You brought up. We were talking about this topic and what we're going to talk about and this and that. And you brought up a very, you actually said to be the second most threatening player. Where is that going? Well, I mean, I think that's a pretty, I don't know. I've at least heard it a good bit. It's like a common phrase that people say, like, best way to win multiplayer. Oh, just like be the next most threatening person. Because, you know, people say, you know, multiplayer is all about threat assessment, right? So, like, it's like, who's the most threatening player? Okay, this person, everybody target them until they're not the most threatening player. But if you're the second most threatening player, you're kind of next in line, right? So if it, you target them down, then you're in the best position overall. Um, so that's like, I think that's a common thing that people say a lot. Oh, I'll be the second most threatening player. But honestly, like, this this reminds me of something else. This is like one of the conversations we were having before the stream. Mm-hmm. It was actually Jeremy. He was talking about a TikTok he watched because Jeremy goes on TikTok. So a little something about Jeremy. <laughs> what are you ratting him out like uh, that for? I, I had to do it, all right? <laughs> this, this is the good pals lore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he was talking about this. What, Jeremy, do you remember the podcast, the, the TikTok? Uh, it was something along the lines of like um, a curt, like the bell curve. And mm. um, at like not the top of the bell curve, but like right after the main juice, like the big meat that's like 65% or whatever, mm-hmm. um, if you put Soul Ring there, because, you know, everyone hates Soul Ring. If the yeah, card, this is about EDH, but... Yeah, yeah. In, in EDH. Um, if the card is kind of like objectively considered better than Soul Ring, don't play it. It's going to draw too much aggro. So make all your cards worse, and you'll do better overall in the game because you're just going to play your, your weaker version. You know, those, those iconic just feel bad cards that you see over and over again, the turn one mana crypts or whatever, mm-hmm. just like mm-hmm. that, you know, just immediately ruins people in your mind that are four or three random strangers right. at your LGS. Just don't play those cards. Play something that does the same thing. Maybe it's one or two mana less efficient, but at the end of it all, people will still ha- put you in like you're okay like it's oh you're fine you're doing whatever you're not doing the explosive yeah nonsense right. even though the explosive nonsense is like one mana more efficient or like your creatures a five five where there's a six six or something silly yeah right and i think that kind of plays into the same idea of like being the second most threatening player but i almost i feel like you can get too in the weeds about that and i i had like an analogy that i liked about that and I was like, that video reminds me of like stock buying tips or something <laughs> where it's like mad money. Cause it's like, oh, everyone's going to do this. So you do the opposite and you know, everybody's already going to do the opposite. So you should do the opposite of that. And then you should like inverse that too. And you should do this a little differently. And then that way, everybody's going to think you're doing this, but actually you're doing this. But in reality, you're not doing either of you doing this. And it's like, it's all like, I don't know fairy dust to me like it just seems like there's just too many factors to say oh just be the second most threatening or like oh just make your deck worse and you'll win more it's like 
does that work forever? Does that work the first time? And then now everybody's kind of wise to your deck actually not being that bad and then they start targeting you more. Like, how long do you, can you ride that, you know? Which brings me back to like, what is the, you know, how can you even like, how can you have a rule on why this? You find, why are you trying to quantify it, you know? Shit like that. Right, yeah. Right. It's like, it's also, it's so social, I think. I want to say, there we go, go Well, I would, that that conversation, like with how long it lasts, um, I, th- I think, or at least my experience, when I first started playing Slimefoot, just dirtling, creating sapperlings, not doing anything. Um, for the first, you know, couple of times I played it, you're like, hey, he's not doing anything. But then after enough times of like, yeah, everyone's at like 20, I'm still at 45. Sure, I'm making a sapperling a turn, but like, and that's not getting me anywhere. Eventually, the game just ends. Play some, yeah, I play some bomb or what gr- gruesome fate. I, I don't think gruesome fate's the right card, but like everyone loses life equal to the number of creatures I control or something or no, that, that's gruesome fate. I'm pretty oh, okay, sure. yeah. So and then you just drop one of those and everyone dies, and it's like okay, now you start looking at the deck differently. Yeah, that only works a couple um, times but, now. Now everyone's yep. on edge when Slamfoot hits the table. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Which, if you're playing, if you're trying to like take it to an LGS and play with randoms, those types of decks might get you like if it's some sort of tournament or whatever, like could get you the farthest because it's just like uh, I'll play Slimefoot, okay, a four mana. Yeah, they're so like open. unassuming. I'll play set. Yeah, I'll play Sapling, right. where the player to your left then goes plays, you know, um, a Devastator, the, teach, the, te- the, te- the, teach, the teaching card that copies a spell and then they like yeah. just start going off. Right, um, yeah. Or slams their Paragon Drake, and it's just like, oh, okay, kill them. I'm not doing anything. How am I going to kill you? And then you're <laughs> yeah, just, just like, duh, 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 duh. yeah, yeah. Don't look at me. I just yeah, got that's... some sapperlings. Yeah, nothing going on. Yeah. yeah. What's the big yeah. deal? Yeah. That's true. Context definitely matters. Like, if you're going to play with your friends for five years, like they're going to be wise to your stuff real quick. <laughs> but if you're trying to win a single tournament, uh, yeah, you know, maybe maybe there is some more like uh, weight to that kind of advice. Yeah, I've never been, never really played in an actual PDH tournament, but I, I, I could totally see that being a factor for sure. Sure, it's yeah. even more so probably like... than in like a, uh, like a sixty card, specifically a sixty card pauper tournament. You just, you don't see, even in paper on MTGO, what have you, you don't see a ton of brews like taking down a mox challenge or, or taking down a challenge, uh, you know, on the weekends or whatever. Whereas. I think in a PDH tournament, you could get something like a slime foot that just all of a sudden, out of nowhere, takes down the first four rounds and ends up in the top four or whatever, top three of the finals table or something. Right. Because brews, you know, regardless of how good they are in 60-card formats, brews can be awesome, but for the most part, in most tournaments, they're only going to take you so far. Eventually, they'll, they'll just get outclassed. Yeah. They don't, like, they don't benefit from distractions. Right. Exactly. Like yeah. You're you're fighting your opponent. It's that's yeah. They it. are focused they're on not, you the entire time. Yeah, they're not like, well, we'll deal with that later. There's a combo deck at the table. Like, yeah, <laughs> they're like, you are my problem, and I'm gonna take care of it. Right. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. I never really thought of that as like a. I guess I've. I guess you're right. It is more common than I thought it was. I just never really like thought of it phrased like that. But yeah, that happens quite often where. You know, you take out or everyone attacks the person that seems like they're just going to win the game in two rounds. And what happens is the the next player in line ends up beating everybody, <laughs> like out of nowhere. <laughs> right. Yeah. Even uh, again in the pre-show, which you should totally get, uh, we were talking about Alec was talking about the game he did, uh, mm-hmm. where 
Um, there was a lot of back and forth between two, you know, quote unquote good decks. Um, and then the quote unquote bad deck ended up winning uh, because the two good decks wasted all their resources. How could this happen? How could this happen? <laughs> Lobber's going to be releasing that game on his uh, YouTube sometime. Yeah, it was. It's the it's the Abdel versus Bird Horse versus Alert Heed Bonder versus. Oh, I think Fridge was on Bell Tower Sphinx. Ooh, God. interesting. <laughs> it was a... Good old Fridge. Fridge always makes some spicy decks. Yeah, he does. He's a monster. The madman. I hope I didn't spoil anything. <laughs> you might be able to make some guesses. <laughs> yeah, it's all right. Sheesh. They're paying for it. They should have been watching the stream in the first place. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Live's always better. As long as Alc decks have been brought into this conversation, I want to go on record as as a berserk tier aggro enthusiast. I want to go on record as saying I hate this element of multiplayer. <laughs> like I, <laughs> I I design decks to do things really thoroughly, and I am often in this position where I am the threat. I am the person who is like gonna draw all the aggro and like. Sometimes I absolutely deserve it. Yeah, there like, is no there is no gray area in your decks, in your playstyle. <laughs> it's not like, oh, I'm going to swing at player two for three damage and flying damage at player one for two. It's like, no, here comes 14. What are you going to do? <laughs> I, I am but Alc, it's in. only turn three. I don't know. I'll make it 17 if you don't shut up. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just There's coming more later. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I want to jump in on that. Alc. You know, I love all your decks, and I, they're all a delight to play. But most of your decks oh, that, that are sounds ominous. <laughs> most of your decks are the most threatening on your turn. A lot of decks are are like threatening on everybody's turn. You know what I'm saying? Alk decks, he's he's got like 30 power on board, but at the end of the turn, he's gonna be all tapped out. <laughs> Land tapped, creatures tapped. <laughs> yeah, so you're you're threatening right then, but like next turn, it's like, oh, he, he's tapped out. Don't worry about him. <laughs> And that's a that's a I think a, a spot of threat assessment. Honestly, like the, even the phrase threat assessment, I think it's a little silly sometimes. But yeah, I, I think that's where threat assessment goes really wrong. Is aggro decks are threatening early, so they get a lot of hate. When really they'll probably just lose to time if you just right. just wait a while. They'll be outvalued or out something. Um, you, you just but you, that, to, you, you have know to survive will, long enough to get there. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true, and so you you do need to maybe remove their creatures a bit, but people might dogpile Alex's deck when really by turn six it like doesn't he, really he's happen. he's played his hand. He has <laughs> it's like wait he has eight four yeah. ones on the battlefield. Yeah, <laughs> I'm pretty sure like, the first game I played with Alk, he via via Shino Slaughtermastered. I think it was you, Eric. Oh yeah, and yep. then turn one or something, maybe turn two. I think it might, it might have been turn one. Just nuked you out of the game. And then it proceeded to be basically a 1v1 versus me, and it might have been John or Fred, I don't remember, yeah. as Alk was just like out of cards, out of juice. That was <laughs> like from that, from the beginning. That, I loved that game. I think it was but yeah, the... that, yeah, that is, yeah, it's like, wait, you guys have blockers now? What am I supposed to do? <laughs> <laughs> right. it was, someone, yeah. was, someone was playing uh, Brent's um, heroic... A Crown Conscriptor. It was DJ and Crown. A Crown Conscriptor. And I spent like four straight turns being like, I cast me a Shadow Slaughter Master. And DJ was like, 
I, I sacrificed my fifth land to flame jab it again. Yep, yep. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, okay. TJ was it dies on like again. two mountains for like six turns. Yeah, she was nuts. And the entire time, we like the writing on the wall was so obvious because Brent was on Slimboda. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, yeah. and, and i remember we were like like uh dj at the before it was like sunvada's just gonna win and we we're like no don't worry about it and then afterwards when it won we were giving dj so much credit like man why didn't you target sunvada it seemed really good yeah, I remember, that I remember, came out of nowhere how was i supposed to know it was gonna win i remember looking at that deck and like looking at my board state just empty board state no hand and looking at D just like Deej had a bunch of cards in hand because he only had two lands, and Brent had like ten lands and like five creatures. And I was just sitting there like, man, this Slimvada deck is really good. And Deej was like, I can't, I can't even begin to process how triggered I am right now. And I was like, what do you mean? The deck's just good, man. Deck's killing it. I mean, we're hopeless. That was a really good game. That's awesome. Uh, so you know, but yeah, I. uh I, I, I recognize that it is definitely a part of multiplayer dynamics when, you know, the aggro deck is going to get attacked and get beaten down and because it's really threatening. Like, I, I respect that. I just, it's so often me. <laughs> <laughs> that is that, uh, you're also usually, like, the one that you can hit for free, you know? Like, yeah. you tapped yeah. out. I, yeah. I can't yeah. swing this scare killer anywhere else or whatever. I don't, I don't he doesn't know how to block. He doesn't block scare killer yeah. anyway. Yeah, no. I mean that bad example. That is one of the big differences between one v one and multiplayer. Yeah, is in one v one you attack your shields down, whatever you have no un untapped creatures. You only have to survive the one combat that they do, and they could even be a non combat deck. Yeah. Um. So it's not a big deal. Uh. But in multiplayer, uh, you have three combats to survive. Uh. Good luck. Especially yeah. when everyone else has their untapped creatures or their their four their like one four scare tiller just sitting over there, and you have a three three, uh, you're looking at the board and you're like, well, I can just hit this person for three, and then everyone does it, and that's nine damage that turn. You know, that's a tenth of your health, or not a tenth, a third. Yeah. <laughs> um, a, a third of your health. Three turns go by, you're dead. So. Yeah, you have way more combat steps to worry about. Yeah. Um, and that's. Honestly, like a a really wonderful like natural balancing act in PDH at least. It doesn't really quite work in EDH, but you can. There are some decks you can, but a lot of decks you can just bully into submission because you have <laughs> enough. Like no deck is so much better that like they're just gonna dominate. There are some like combo like fast combo decks and stuff, but most decks like if they're a problem, they can't handle three people. Right. <laughs> Most yeah, decks don't, don't handle Arch Enemy well at all. Yeah. Yeah, Arch Enemy is a big problem for, for a lot of our decks. I don't care how good of a competitive player you know you claim to be or whatever. There's, <laughs> there's not much one deck can do against three combat steps like you were just saying. I mean, it's not even like the combat step only. It's like just everyone focusing all their spells on him. Like yeah. PDH cards can only get you so far. Yeah, if there's, yeah I mean, each player has their removal spell and... You just kind of go all out, or you know, zerk someone. Then it's just like, okay, well, you're the threat, so here's all the removal. So again, if you're not that person, um, but still threatening, you can kind of dodge the counter spells, the removal, the whatever it may be. Right. Yep. 
yeah, you need to do three times as much basically to, to get through it, which is usually impossible. It's hard to do. Hard to do. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, would you say that some of that that we just talked about, the different aspects of, you know, three on one or one versus three or what have you, is that, does that sort of tie into the, the topic of making wrong plays or, you know, exactly what is a good play? Because like sometimes, you know, like you mentioned, you'll make the wrong play but you'll still be the winner of the game. Like, right. Yeah. I want to say, I want to say, uh, I've been talking about PDH for a long time with like many different people and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And every, almost every single time I, I suggest howling golem, people are like, why would you run that? That card's horrible. People don't understand that. Like, all right. Yeah. Howling golem. It's going to draw everybody a card, but howling golem also like, who are you going to target? The person who's drawing everybody a card or the combo deck or the aggro deck that just got another card for free. Like, who do you have to be more aware right. of? Right. Howling Golem is sort of like, all right, it buys you time, gives you cards, and it, like, puts the onus on somebody else to, to get dealt with or deal with. You know what I'm saying? It's so multifaceted, but everyone just sees, oh, it draws the opponent's cards, a horrible card. Like, I don't know. I don't, yeah. I don't agree with that at all. I don't think ever casting Howling Golem is a wrong play. Yeah, I I, no, no, I completely agree with that mentality, and I think that's why that it comes from one v one. Yeah, people for think sure. about like oh, howling golem and one v one. You're just drawing your opponent a card, and they're going to use it on you. But you draw somebody a card, they might use it on your other opponent. Yeah, you you don't know what it's going to be. It could be anything, you know. Yeah, there's there's and, no guarantee that that card they drew is coming at you. Right. You know, it could I, be and, the answer everyone else at the table needs to deal with that Alcadrone guy. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> exactly. With the guy. Yeah. yeah. I, I was talking uh, a couple episodes ago about the doing doing the card advantage math on something like Siphon Mind or Burglar Rats and how I see a lot of people think that Burglar Rats is this three for one card advantage machine. Nope. And I disagree with that nope. math. I, I don't think, think that at all. It's only a three for one if every single card that you forced out of other people's hands was otherwise coming for your face yeah. or your board. Yep. And like that's just almost never the case. Yeah. And the, the Howling Golem math works almost exactly the same. It's not that you're giving your opponents three cards to use against you. Right. You're giving them three cards to use against each other. Yep. Exactly. You're just handing and, out the sticks. And like Eric said, I would say having a Howling Omen play makes it a little less likely that it's even coming for you. If they're going to follow some sort of threat assessment strategy, right. the person with a three mana two three that's drawing everyone cards is probably less threatening <laughs> than someone I mean, else. I couldn't tell you how many times I don't, Wales' Howling Golem drew me a land when I was screwed, when I was mana screwed. When you were down like, bad, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I I sure as hell didn't attack him next because, you know, <laughs> he just drew, I didn't he want just that drew to go anywhere. That, that feels so good. Right. Yeah, yeah. I've seen a Howling Golem draw player two into a fiery cannonade that saved the table. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, like, how often does Humble Defector win at our table? Eh, pretty often, I think. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. pretty often. That's a deck literally double Howling Goleming every turn. Yeah. And, like, you know, I feel like people would watch our, our videos and be like, oh, well, they're just playing, like, dumb. They're just, like, you know, they're just passing that around for no reason, and they're, like oh, they just lost because they weren't thinking or something. And it's like, I don't think it's that simple. I don't think we're just playing like like we're clueless. Right. We, we, we have like a social contract sort of thing where we each draw each other cards, but I don't think we just lose to Humble Defector because like 
we forgot they had fireballs. It's because everybody has three cards yeah, a turn. Everybody's yeah, super threatening. There's so much more to deal with now that there's Humble out passing around. It's like Veteran Explorer, the same way. Like, all right, everyone has 12 yeah. more lands, 11 more lands. Like, this changes the game completely. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, you're really going to worry about Veteran Explorer? Like, it has the least lands. Yeah. Like, it, it's done after <laughs> oh. it casts again. Like, like, no matter what, it has the least lands out of everybody. You just gave Togo <laughs> 10 rocks. Like, what, why would you target Veteran Explorer? <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> where's, where's my Echoing Ruin? The echoing Ruin, yeah, <laughs> there you go. But, yeah, I think um, that's, that's definitely a big thing, is, like, big... I mean, it's kind of like group hug, right? Like, big group hug strategies like that, there's this assumption, yeah, that it'll all be used on you. Like, they're all drawing a lightning bolt and they're just going to bolt your face every time or something. Yeah. It's like, that's not what's going to happen. Well, I think too, that might play into something you said probably five or 10 minutes ago where you think, and unless I misheard it, you know, you think that a lot of commander slash PDH players are coming from the one V one realm. Right. Cause I know I, I'm still trying to get over it now. You know, I came from the one V one competitive popper scene, if you will. And I still struggle feeling that way. Like, I understand what we're saying, and I'm, I'm coming around to it, but also at the same time, I'm like, okay, my Howling Golem just put cards in my opponent's hands. I'm dead next turn. It never turns out to be that right. way, but I just have that feeling, that voice inside that's uh, like, what yeah. are you doing? Something's going wrong, yeah. Yeah, something's gone wrong, even though it worked like it should have. Exactly. It's like something that's kind of taught to you as you play 1v1. Not even like explicitly, but you just learn it. You're like, cards that give my opponent's cards really suck, yeah. and they do in 1v1. <laughs> Uh, they better do something real good for you, um, but it's just not—it's not the same beast in multiplayer. And that's yeah, the, the wrong play. What is the wrong play? Like helping your opponents can really help you in a lot of situations. Yeah. They other people's decks can do things that yours can't do. Like how do you think colorless decks win? They're not countering their opponents' right. spells, but they might cast a howling golem that draws a blue player who's worried about the same player you're worried about a counter mm -hmm. spell, and then they counter their spell. You know, like. I don't know. You have to. Everybody's just, everybody's your enemy, but they're also your your teammate in they're certain also, scenarios. They're also a tool to help you get there. Exactly. Right. Uh, I want to say I have I've won more games with Helen Golem on my field than I have lost. You know what I'm saying? So like, I don't think casting Helen Golem is ever bad because you're still getting cards too. And like, maybe if it turns into a one v one scenario, you have a Helen Golem, your opponent doesn't. You know. They're probably not going to block it at the end too. Like, uh, it's still a card. You know, I don't know. Right. I just feel like it's not. I, I've had so many arguments. With people like, oh, the card's terrible. Why are you playing that? Like, it's not. It's not that black and white, man. The card's pretty good. Yeah, exactly. That's a, that's a really good way to say it. And I think it's just part of that. You know, as you guys have been calling it, that Trinity, the Scare Tiller, Duo Drone, Howling Golem Trinity, where mm -hmm. they all sort of function that way. Scare Tiller yeah. is a little selfish, but. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still there. yeah, but it's still got that it's, it's stigma almost where people it's, outside it's, of this yeah. format look at Scare Tiller and they're like, why are you playing that card? Like, what? You know? Yeah. Scare Tiller's going to stop being selfish when they finally downshift Field of Ruin. Oh, oh, gross. oh that'd be so awesome. <laughs> Can you imagine Field of Ruin? Common? That would be that'd be, that'd be wild. Give me that... that blows up non-basic. Yeah. yeah. Blows up a non-basic, and then each player ramps. Can yep. Search their their each player yeah, blows each up a single player. land, but then each player gets to search for a land, a basic you land. Sa you sacrifice it. You mark someone else's non-basic, and then every player gets a basic into play from their deck. No, 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 no. 
No. You you, no. you target a dark steel citadel. <laughs> yes. Oh my god. <laughs> or a bridge you or your yeah. own dark Yeah, your own. Yes. Wait, wait, wait. Why do you have an Ashok in play, bro? What's going on? <laughs> Brad. <laughs> yeah, but um you might hear I Eric says it all the time, but we've all kind of started saying it like, do I do I play a good play or do I play the fun play? Yeah. And the the origin of that, at least the way I interpret it, is the good play is that one v one brain still coming in. Like, well, if I the you know, um, yeah, if I minus one all my opponents, um, that's good because um, that's that's beneficial to me. But what that means is you are then also potentially pissing all three of them off and now becoming a target to all three of them. Where the fun play is. Okay, all burning inquiry will all suffer. Yeah, right. And it'll make it no less one's happy bad. Now. Yeah, yeah. Like I could siphon mine. You know, you guys discard. I draw three. That's you know plus six, whatever or differential, however you want to think of it, is cool. Uh, but all that is is potentially drawing too much of that aggro, where right. you know everyone's unhappy when you know flame rift or burning inquiry or you know um, caller swine. Yeah, I think that's a really good way to put it. Like, what's the good play is basically, yeah, what's the most optimal? What's gonna, what's gonna be that sideboard card that ups my per, my win percentage here versus what's the fun play? You know, and and when I hear you guys talk about the games you've played on stream or when Alex been at your house and played, the memories, the times you guys are laughing the most about games you've played in the past aren't competitive games. They aren't this combo that won me the game. They are the fun plays that you remember the most. Yeah, yeah. It's like remember that time I cast Peregrine Drake and Ghostly Flickered it, dude. That was so awesome, bro. Yeah, that was that awesome. Was so Whoa, cool. Like I can't believe this. <laughs> it's like remember when um you did somehow did one hundred damage to Saber Ants and I got a hundred ants and then you swung <laughs> Call Holler Swine at it and I blocked and we each took a hundred but then DJ simultaneously like. Riot controlled and gamed 100, oh. and oh. like the dumbest thing ever happened. Like that's you know that's what you're playing for, that's right? Exactly. You, yeah, exactly. You remember the time ten persistent petitioners jumped in front of a Brianlin moon dragon? <laughs> Get him, boys! So mad they about made it that. lose flying. That was the best. And then they all killed it with their picket picket yeah. signs. Oh, that was the best. No, you know, it's no, nobody. It's the re- worst. Nobody really ever <laughs> says, "Oh, remember when my Rilsa completed two dungeons by turn six? Whoa, dude, like, that's, that's so yeah. cool! You went through the you went through the Undercity, bro. That's awesome. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. my god. One hundred percent worse. Initiative is just. Oh. It, it's it it it's so bad. It got what banned in Legacy. Yep. Terrible. Banned in Pauper. Yeah. Yep. Legacy and Popper are often going at the same rate, aren't they? Yeah, they really are. It's funny to watch. Every supplemental set breaks those two formats somehow. Yeah, so funny. Dave, you've been kind of quiet. Yeah, I... uh, I got a question for you, though. What about these pals? Okay. What is king-making? King-making is when you find yourself in a position where it is no longer possible for you to win the game, but your actions are still going to influence how the game ends in terms of like who wins. So like the, the easy example is in a three player game. So four player game, one person's been eliminated, three players left. Uh, it's you with a four, four, two other people who are tapped out at three life, but who will untap and kill you on their turn. Mm-hmm. Like you get to choose which one of them to kill 
and then the other one kills you. Yeah. Yep. That's king making. Yeah. Pretty straightforward. It's a shame when it when it comes to that. And that's there's really no yeah, there's really no easy way to fix it, you know. The the easy way is draw flame rift. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. You can tie it. Tie sure. it. Sure. <laughs> but yeah, that's um a problem we run into whenever we have one of those uh three man Thursdays. Three player yeah. just taking that one player out just makes it so much worse. Yeah, it changes the dynamic yeah, it does. hugely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's why we typically add plane chase to our three mans. Um, because it's just so insane and crazy that, you know, maybe something wacky will happen and it'll it's as, it's as abusive as another player. Yeah. Yeah, we treat it like the fourth player. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Definitely can be. And it's weird that it's such a a, a, a dreaded situation to happen, but it's one of those that's also sort of unavoidable. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Unless you guys have found a way to like work around it or play around it. There's like no easy way to do it. I like what Jeremy has been doing lately, though. Jeremy, when he realizes it's happening, he'll just land pass. He's <laughs> like, yeah. fuck it. Let someone else deal with it. I mean, because <laughs> I think that's the best way I, to deal with it, honestly. Well, so that is because a lot of the times the player to my right tends to be the kingmaker. Yeah. So I'm trying to just like, if it gets shifted to me, nope, I don't want it. I don't want, Eric, any, you figure I don't it want out. anything to do with it, yeah. Yeah, you kind of pass yeah. it on. Because it, it's just like, what do, like, it, at, or like, it, king making is a thing because everyone is still trying to win. Like, that baseline, you're playing the game to win. Mm-hmm. But it just gets in that scenario to where, well, I get, even if you scoop and just be like, okay, I'll get out of the way, that could just give the player that's going next enough to win. Yeah, I... But if you exist, you can still kind of hold them. Like, all three of you are holding each other down. Right. To the point to where as soon as one, like, any one of us could break it. And then that just gives, it gives whoever we break, it just gives the game to the other person. It's, uh, you know, I don't I don't know what to do. Um, I don't know if anyone really knows what to do. Cause yeah, and it, it usually sort of, like, happy. sneaks up on you. It only, you know, the game's humming along, and then, like, one random combat will all of a sudden yep. create this situation. <laughs> All of a sudden, it yeah. just happens. Uh, yeah, it just happens. Right. Yeah. I you attempt to play the the double strike, but then you know a pump spell and then a removal and then a hexproof and then all of a sudden, all the instants everyone's been holding back are now played and then it's like okay, well, now what? Right. And I think it's a situation that we end up with in a little more often maybe because we tend to not like just kill someone really early. I think we tend to kind of keep everybody yeah. alive, keep the life total similar. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that ends with, oh, somebody died and there are three people at four life. It's like, oh boy. Right. And I think the reason that happens more is I I hate it. It feels so bad dying early because we're still, we're like, we're on stream. There is an element to the stream to where it's just like, well... Uh, we played the two games. If I die within the first five minutes, and then I'm just kind of sitting there watching, um, instead of playing, it kind of feels bad. Yeah. Um, Definitely. And I probably I probably killed Fred way too early last night. Game two. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, so back to threat assessment. He played a removal spell or your artifact or enchantment hate on like what your. The artifact, the haunted cloak, yeah, I think which so. would have given you vigilance, and then you could have blocked with that seven-seven that does seven, and when it dies or whatever. Mm-hmm. But then it's just like as soon as you potentially do something like that, um, Fred did it. 
and that worked out beautifully for me because all it did was say, "Oh, well, you're the you, that that bothered me. Here, you're dead." Right. Oh, okay, that works for me, and I literally did nothing. Right. All that happened was Fred did something to Eric, and then Eric did something to Fred, and then that meant it, Jeremy won. Like right. He wasn't yep. even in, real involved, but it was all <laughs> he like, wasn't even their in that cards fight. Yeah. benefiting him. <laughs> right. And that's, I guess, if I had one, one like kind of more hard strategy, I could say, if I could really put a strategy to multiplayer, the one thing that I do try to do is I don't deal with threats unless they're coming to me. If somebody has an Eldrazi Devastator yeah. and they just keep swinging it at Jeremy, why would I kill it? Just keep doing sure. that. That's great. It's like I have it. This is awesome. Yep. <laughs> So yeah, like, I can totally get behind that. So like, that's like the one thing I can say is usually a good idea. Like, don't just like be like, oh, that's a scary card. It's probably got to go. Like, feel it out of it. Wait a minute. You know, even even something that's hurting you. Like, I imagine like Thermal Alchemist, Impact Tremors, like yeah, one damage to everyone. Uh -huh. You know, like if you're at the highest light and someone else is at like 10, I don't know. Let it let it let, let it ride. Let him thermal a couple times. <laughs> yeah, it couldn't let hurt. Yeah, see where this leads. Wipes a resource, right? I'm just gonna right? sit on that. That but, really only like works in like like not um uh, combat focused metas though. Cause, like sure, if you're just like waiting to cast a removal spell and something's gonna affect you, like you still gotta blow up that land untapper in uh, lower layweaver instantly because otherwise you're just gonna lose. And that's another reason why I say combo brings it back more to a 1v1 style format. It's like, mm -hmm. yeah, it's yeah. way more just like they're going to win or lose. They're going to, you know, that's a card that represents them winning, not them maybe killing your opponent, but winning the game. So, like, I need to deal with that like I would in a 1v1 game, um, which is why I, one of the other reasons I don't really like combo because I like multiplayer. I, I don't really play 1v1 magic much anymore at all i love multiplayer like just so much more mm -hmm. <laughs> i think it's way more uh like complex and as we're as we're discussing you know like i don't feel like you could i don't know like if you've done a, if you played a lot of 1v1 i don't know if you could fill as much like conceptual conversation there and just like the psychology of it right it's it's a oh, little I more like i don't think so yeah, yeah it's like card I, choices I and stuff yeah, no. it's car choices. It's it's what you said, you know, sort of towards the top of the episode. It's it's the analysis. It's the numbers. It's the uh, yeah. The and I think I'm just over the, I'm over the numbers. It's just like that's fine. Whatever is best, just do that. That's you know, just not that interesting to me at this point. Yeah, and I think that's how, even if it was like subconscious or subtle, or I didn't realize it was happening, what have you, I made the transition from sixty card pauper to PDH rather rather seamlessly outside of a few mental hiccups here and there because towards the end of me playing quote-unquote competitively in in pauper i was bringing brews that i just wanted to do stuff like this mm -hmm. that really only function well in a multiplayer setting i guess i just didn't realize it until i brought that same sort of deck building philosophy or strategy to the multiplayer tables i'm like oh this these cards actually work here. Like they are stone unplayable in 60 card pauper, but they're fun here and they're good here. And right. I can build a whole deck around them mm -hmm. and not just be laughed out of the tournament or, you know, <laughs> out of the table or whatever. Right. Yeah, for sure. That that's definitely what interested me in PDH originally was bottom of the barrel commons. Like 
never see the light of day commons are like yeah, make like an actual card you might want to use yeah because mm-hmm. you know it's probably been said before and it's it's kind of like a, a wink wink nudge nudge but i don't there to me there's not very many actual bad cards like unplayable cards if you will yeah there's a lot that just aren't you know you don't want to use them or what have you but every card's kind of got its place you can make something work for whatever reason right and you know good or bad is it's not as much of like a defined concept in multiplayer i know i'm like keep saying multiplayer is like existential nightmare or something but like (laughs) (laughs) but like a you know like jeremy that video was saying like a worse card can be better because it's not as scary or you know or it's puts a different mood to the game that affects whether or not people attack you on one turn that just decides that you win the game actually it's like right you know i don't know it's just so it's so hard to yeah put any raw numbers to like how like rating a card even just like well i don't know every any any card can shine in different scenarios that's exactly like it's like why we were just talking about the game alk was just playing on monday like wow, bad card one. Whoa, that's crazy. How does that happen? Right. Like maybe it's just so open ended that. <laughs> yeah, maybe any million things can happen. And like saying, oh, well, I did this, 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 and this right. Well, I should win. Like, well, someone else played a call hauler swine and got swung into for fifteen damage. Not a, you, didn't, you didn't see that coming. That's on you, buddy. You plan around <laughs> that. Come on. That's yeah. on you. Right, and that's why, like, um. I know there are some competitive groups that they they almost have like a rule. It's like kind of a rule zero thing, I guess, but a rule like we agree to always make the best play. And I just think that it just is like, what is what's the best what's, play? What's, what's what the is best the play? best play? What, yeah. Yeah. How can you say that best play? Like yeah. the best play is attack with howling goal. Right. Yes. Exactly. To, to I would say so. Best play is easy. Yeah, I would say that's the best play. Some. People who have that rule might not say that. <laughs> you know, and mm. some people I don't know. Wrong. This whole idea of the best play or the quote, quote unquote, the most optimal play is, is really like that's the most existential to me because, like, sometimes you have to cast what would be perceived as the best card, but you're not casting it for the best reasons. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, sometimes when I play OG, like, I have to spend an echoing truth which is a really powerful card, but I have to spend it on some podunk little creature because I need the trigger. Like I just, just wasted a really OG, good card, yeah. but I need, I need that OG trigger and I had to do yeah. it. Right. Yeah. Was that a good play because I wasted a bad card or a good card or was it a bad play? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah it's like, it's tough. how can you really say? And, and you can, that's the thing is like, you can look back and you can say, well, I did this and then these 10 things happened and then I didn't win. But mm-hmm. I don't think you can say if you had not done that, then something more favorable would have happened because right. that's like a whole different timeline where you didn't do it. And yeah, any that's, number that's of a whole different branch of existence. Yeah, that, yeah. that one bad creature you bounced could have like changed the game completely somehow. Yeah, who knows? Right. Sheer luck. Who knows? It's like the butterfly effect or something. Like, like yeah, exactly. Yeah, smash yeah, exactly. A, go back in time, smash a butterfly, and like they'll, you come back and there's an apocalypse or something. Yeah, because like, I've you know I've played with like like you were saying on my streams I've played with so many different types of players, yeah. players new to the format, experienced players, competitive players, casual, everything, 
and I've I've been asked before, like say take that example with the echoing truth. You know, I've been asked. They're, you know, I target one of their creatures, and they're like, "Are you sure you want to do that? Is that the best play? Is that the best target for that card?" You know, and I'm say, like, "I don't care about the best play, I, son. I don't I'm just trying to that. play this shit, right?" <laughs> yeah, like, that's what I'm, I'm doing. I'm just trying to flicker some creatures, man. Come on. Yeah. yeah. It's so, also, yeah. I mean, it's like it's so like it goes so deep. It's like, um, all right, you're gonna play Monarch. You're going to lose it next turn. But playing Monarch was still a good play, right? Was that the best play? You gave it to your opponent. How is that the best play? You know, shit like that. Same right. with initiative. Mm-hmm. Like, you're bringing initiative into the game. You're going to ruin this game. The game's going to be over in five turns. Like, <laughs> was, that the, was that the best play? <laughs> maybe it was. Who knows? Maybe you, yeah, maybe it was probably the worst again. play for you because you lost the trap, which happens quite often. <laughs> oh, oh, trap. I've, I've been killed by so trap. many traps. Oh, my God. Yeah, trap is ridiculous. I'm, I'm low-key, like... I I have that you know the the Safana plus Dungeon Delver deck mm-hmm. yeah and like I I mailed that away without we, ever really getting to we play have with the, the Dungeon Safana Delver, Dungeon Delver deck <laughs> you guys have the Safana Dungeon Delver deck and like I kind of like I just want to double trap someone oh my god yeah, yeah. I need it it's pretty wild yeah yeah, yeah. so good they oh had to god. buff Hama Pashar somehow gave her initiative yep I was able to double trap one time and that was with Hama. Hama, Hama, how do you say it? Oh yeah, Hama Pashar. Yep, yeah, Hama Pashar. The yeah, the one great. time, the second time, I've only played that deck twice. It was the second time. I forgot who I. I think I trapped two different players in one turn, but that is a good time. But see, I I remember I remember trapping people twice, but I don't remember who won that game. But I remember the funny thing that happened. <laughs> it's not it's not like funny. It's more horrifying. Well, yeah. <laughs> Kind of funny. Any, any, I, I think mean, it's funny. I think it's funny too, but uh, like doubling anything in the Undercity is just so brutal. Oh, it's crazy. so scary. Mm-hmm. God, give me that double throne. Of the oh, dead double throne, yep. Double throne of the oh, dead three. Ah, uh, I gotta, I gotta get more games in with Safana. I mean, you know, if it happens at our house, it's just gonna be uh, um, a five-six Howling Golem and a five-five. I can't believe uh, how many marching duo. I can't believe how many of the Holy Trinity gets slammed on the. Throwing a dead three every time. It's beautiful. It's ten cards, man. <laughs> yep. Look, but they're alive. But they're still kicking. They are. They are kicking. Man, kicking the just ass. Oh, it's been a good conversation. We've talked about a lot of aspects of of multiplayer, and, it, and it's good too. I like having uh, episodes like this where we sort of talk about the philosophy of different different play styles, different people, even different players, all that sort of thing. So, um, I think that kind of wraps it up on the main topic. But a lot of what we talked about can sort of be pushed on over to the uh we actually have a listener question this week i think we can use some of that to some of what we talked about to answer this question david do you want to read it for us yeah uh our listener question is from scooby drew and it is what deck would wizards release as a pdh precon i like this question uh pals do you want to jump in here first do you have any ideas have you thought about this before I don't know what deck they would release as one. It would probably be really bad if they did release it. But if they should release like a five color, just every expensive staple, just throw it in there, drive <laughs> yeah, the com- price, composite gold, drive these every expensive yeah. reprint. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking common Omnath. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh god! Oh, <laughs> common so Omnath is called composite gold or yeah. uncommon. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think like just give my... me like snuff out. Give me lotus petal. Like drive the prices down. I don't even care. Right. That'd be nice. Yeah, five color reprints. Sounds perfect. <laughs> but yeah, I think 
like that could just my be the dream. name of the precon five color reprints. I love yeah, it. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> you could just name it that. My dream though would be like they do something like humble defector. I think. Yeah. Like something sure. that creates kind of an interesting situation because I think that's like the best thing about commander as well is like creating weird situations. But yeah, something looking that at their, embraces everything we were just sort of talking about. Exactly, but going ba- based on like their track record of like commander precons, I would say it would just be some like four color value BS thing. I don't know. <laughs> it would just be like I don't know. They'd like print a new ghostly flicker into the format and like yeah, they, they, they just like make legacy and sixty card popper. <laughs> yeah, they just yeah. like make some kind of like cyclonic rift that's a common or something weird and like. I don't know. I think they just mess it up. That's what I think. <laughs> yeah. Well, inevitably, I think they would mess something up. It'd be like one, you know, they'd, they'd do a whole cycle of 10 decks and there would be one card that just broke like three formats. Right. Yep. So. Luckily, you know, though, I, have... I don't think they'll ever do it because it's yes. common only and they just can't yeah, monetize no... it the same way. <laughs> there's no Correct. money in comments for them, so they're fine. Well, I think. See, that's. Go ahead. I... I'm just going to say the opposite. If you're trying to min-max, as you know, their stock price has fallen like oh, half, um, that yeah, everyone rares Mythics, that's where the money's at. Um, and they're starting to do it with the basic lands in each set being full arts. Full arts were always like a dollar or two. Now everyone has special variant lands. Mm-hmm. Um, the next stream of avenue is make the commons and uncommons actually valuable. That's fair, actually. Which that is a very which understandable philosophy for sure. Like if if you're gonna raise the that commander deck to be ninety nine dollars, uh, every card in there better be worth a buck at least. Yeah. So mm-hmm. how do you do that? You pump the power level of commons, which, I mean, I I personally don't want. I like the common power level, but it's already too much. You know, the, it, yeah, it's already the, the, too much. Yeah. Modern Horizons two already. I, I mean, I. Yeah, I War of the Spark was the turn. Granted, I've only been playing since like maybe a set or two before War of the Spark. Mm-hmm. But post War of the Spark, uh, the power creep has gotten more noticeable. Oh, from set to set, even. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what I know. We've talked about before. It was Jeremy's idea was we should have pre-war and post-war decks. <laughs> Sure. Just I mean, that's what the, the EDH the community's doing. They're doing pre-EDH. There's pre-modern. Like, right. There's all these different formats popping up because of of the money, because of the money involved, because of people, you know, oversaturation, that sort of thing. Yep. I mean, that's why PDH is picking up anyway, because, like, uh, yeah, the 100%. professor's video, like, this is a cheap-ass format. Get into it. It's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's maybe closer, Macro-ly, yeah. maybe closer to the actual goals of EDH, I would say, as well. I agree. Yep. Wholeheartedly agree. So looking at the show notes here, it looks like Dave has actually put some thoughts into this. What do you got for some pre-cons, Dave? Uh, th- I I love this question because there's some history here. Um, years ago, the PDH home base used to run deck building challenges where like every every month or two, someone would come up with a really weird restriction and everyone would, would jump on board and try to build a deck within those restrictions to see and people would vote on who, whose decks they liked the most. It was a really fantastic deck building exercise. Mm-hmm. Um one of the challenges they did was someone someone showed up and was like, I want us all to design what would a PDH precon look like? And the uh, the sort of criteria, the restrictions that they put on this was 
uh, it needed to have three different but overlapping themes. Or maybe not, it, it needed to have three different commanders that each supported a different sort of aspect of some various overlapping theme, a few different themes in the deck. And it needed to have nothing super expensive. Uh, because that's, that's sort of like the, the, the quintessential precon, I think, has a lot of, a couple different themes in it. And like, there's always, you know, the, the commander on the box, which is like the default, but then there's other commanders that also support those themes. And like, depending on They're which commander interchangeable, you choose, that'll yeah. let you, mm -hmm. it's, they're interchangeable, but they'll pull the deck in slightly different directions. Yep. Uh -huh. So if you want to lean more into tokens and less into, you know, whatever, you can do that by choosing the other commander, and then you can make deck swaps to improve the deck in that direction. Which I think is a really great deck design space for the wizards to be playing around in. Like what, you know, fill the deck with potential upgrades so that people can get into the deck building aspect as much as they are getting into the playing it aspect so uh we we were trying to we were all trying to design decks like this and i i got so into this particular challenge that i made four i made an entire cycle i went red green red blue red black and red white mm -hmm. because i wanted things to be color balanced and I had a lot of fun with it. I made I made a red green deck that was elementals and lands and landfall, with creeping trailblazer and like uh, the Zendikar guy, Zendikar incarnate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's power equal to the number of lands you control. Mm -hmm. So it was just a lot of like like landfall. It turns out a lot of the landfall kids are elementals. And so you can you can do a lot of really cool stuff. The intersection between ramp and elementals and landfall and like there's a lot of space to play in there. So you can really support a variety of different commanders and themes mm -hmm. in that space. So that was that one was really especially fun for me to build. Um, and that one won the competition. So I'm extra proud of that. Oh, bit. congrats! I also did a red blue spell slinging deck that could use like i made i made the sub theme in that one arcane spells mm. because i wanted to see what would happen if you know if you if you made this deck with like we dragonauts or i think i used mercurial geists instead of the dragonauts like the arcane spells could help you in that you could you know with two cards you can get the effects of a couple extra spells on these as you're still getting the triggers on the, the commander. I also wanted to just like splice something onto an arcane spell and then copy the original spell with uh, <laughs> Lee Guildmage. Uh -huh. I made Same a Rakdos decent. deck that was, yeah, it was, I never actually played any of these decks. I just had yeah, fun yeah. designing. Uh, I made a Rakdos deck that was all about stealing things and sacrificing them mm -hmm. with uh, Blazing Hellhound and uh, Bludgeon Bash. Brawl Bash. Brawl Bash Ogre. Ogre, yep. Yeah. That lets you, you know, just taking other people's stuff and then sacrificing it for value. And then I made a red and white or as an equipment deck that could either use the uh, uh, Boros Swift Spear as just a double striker that loves axes or Maliva 10th District Legionnaire with the heroic trigger that lets you scry to keep you in gas or uh i think i i think the third commander on that one was tiana mm -hmm. but that was the ship's caretaker Ooh. because yeah I, I was i was gonna say if you didn't say tiana check us out and type exclamation <laughs> tiana in our twitch chat 
<laughs> and you can, or check out our YouTube, and we have a whole deck tag. Yeah. On Tiana. It's only three years old. Nice. <laughs> Perfectly <laughs> updated. I, I was, you know, I, I made this deck. This deck hasn't been updated in over three years. Uh, and I was, I was just looking at it for the first time today as I prepared these show notes. And, like, I'm realizing that I, you know, I set Tiana as the third commander option, but it's actually, like, I think the deck only has, like, six other creatures in it, mm-hmm. and two of them are mana dorks. So, like, <laughs> I'm not, like, I'm not sure what you're going to be putting all these auras onto. Yeah. <laughs> like, because yeah. if you put them onto Tiana and then Tiana dies, like, you don't get them back. Yeah, you just kind of so, lost like, the game. Tiana seems <laughs> terrible. So, you could do, like, uh, I think I need to adjust it. No, that was definitely, like, what, even now in its current state, uh, I struggle to find the right ratios of auras and equipments to creatures to whatever, which was why I don't play it as much anymore. But um, also, when I looked back at the deck, I think it might have only had, like, 25 lands or something crazy in it, too. Oh. Um, oh. Yeah. Well, I think... That maybe not the Tiana, but like the first deck I ever built, oh. I think might have only had like twenty five or something. I had no idea what I was mm-hmm. doing, but that's that was yeah, Juniper order. order, and that was I think we were actually playing a lot more one v one then. This was like ancient history. It was like nine years ago. Yeah, Brent and I used to play one v one plane chase PDH for fun together. <laughs> oh, for nice. Fun. Yeah. <laughs> think of how miserable that is, buddy. Nuts. <laughs> That's wild. But yeah, that's uh that's my take on uh PDH preguns. I think I think those are the ideas that need to be there. If you you need to pick a couple a few different themes that can overlap in really interesting ways and then go very gently into all of those themes. Like you can't go like most of the time when I build a deck, I pick a single theme and I just go berserk all in on that one theme mm-hmm. and like you you can't do that for a precon. You have to pick a few themes yeah. and go a little bit into them, have a few just like generic value plays, so that there's a lot of room for editing and improvement and yeah, and upgrades, and, yeah, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because even if you're a you know diehard true and true Boros player, if you buy the Boros precon and there's no wiggle room, you're gonna get bored with it. Like yeah. that's just how it is. Yep, you got to be able to experiment with different pieces and so yeah, I like the idea of having around. multiple options at the, at the commander slot that's pretty neat yeah that's the best way that. to do it especially like nowadays like a lot of the newer le- not legends uh, a lot of the just newer uncommons that come out nowadays are like oh this fits in this deck but i already have a deck that's exactly like that so i could just swap the commanders out mm-hmm. so you could easily make like pre-cons like that but like yeah, and i'd be i'd sure. be happy with them doing pdh pre-cons if they're like 15 20 dollars but like i don't see that happening ever yeah for sure yeah, those are yeah. those are. Real, I mean, those sound like real products. Like the the naming them and everything, and because yeah, I mean that, yeah. that's pretty much how they do it. I think that is a yeah, one that could probably have like twenty commanders in it. Yeah, you could just for sure. The the thing that I just thought of here and w- wizards, Gavin, get at I us. Know you're know you're a huge fan of the yeah. show. Uh, Actually, pay Gavin very for... close attention to <laughs> this part. The thing that made designing these decks a little bit weird is that you know in the in the regular commander precons. You have the the face commander and then the the alternate commanders in the deck, and you can't really do that here because your alternate commanders are all on. So you have yeah. to like very deliberately choose one and then leave the others aside. You can't put it in the deck, unless if Wizards ever decided to endorse PDH so strongly 
that they're going to make precons for it. I think what they would need to do is they would need to print common legends to be the commanders and their commons so that they can go in the deck and their legends so that wizards can release a rule that says the command zone is for uncommon creatures or common legends because that would also elegantly solve the joven chandler and common background issue no oh, thank god it's more about joven than than the background it's more about joven <laughs> than well, naturally flaming fist it's just the worst but it's also ever. about it's all it's, about it, joven it's about joven like i'm not i know what's good and wanna, what's good i just want to go joven. to that snarg's house of sin man yeah snarg's house of sin <laughs> i'm trying to get in there for years <laughs> nice Oh, man. That would be interesting if that was an effect. That'd be a good. That'd be a good way to fix it. I mean, you know, a better way to fix the background problem, right? Get a... uh, ignore the rules committee. <laughs> yeah, that's a nicer way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, like Sheldon we're, said, uh, we're keeping this. Why should I listen to you? Uh, yeah, we're gonna stick with a nice way to say yeah. it. We'll keep things PG thirteen. That's fine. Uh, isn't it? Isn't it funny that the most talked about cards when it comes to ban or not banned are all enchantments? Probably one of the weaker types of cards in all other formats, but all we all we talk about here are enchantments. Yeah, it's three enchantments if they added Obliot. Yeah, it's easy. When, and then the background, the, and then the, the background are enchantments. Enchantment, they miss big time. I think. I mean, part of the reason that enchantments get talked about so much is because, I mean, regardless of the average power level of your average enchantment, enchantments are one of the most uh, difficult types to remove across the color pie so like yep. if you're white or green you can you can mark the enchantments all day every day it's not a problem if you're blue you have to bounce it and then try to catch it with the counter spell the next time around yep. if you're black you have feed the swarm two mediocre edicts and two bad beholders and if you're red you have intro to annihilation and scour from existence and yeah scooping at instant speed hey and we scoop. just got the there's the new colorless thing that blows up it's like six minutes. oh yeah, yeah. yeah the obelisk unstable obelisk. Yeah. oh yeah okay well, that was yeah. even oh, no. that one urn yeah i was talking about the godfire thing yeah the yeah godfire urn urn of godfire something yeah something like okay. that so there's yeah i guess there's another one that blows up enchantments but generally speaking yeah it's still bad news it's bad news it is bad news bears all the way down which yeah. is part of why these things are being talked about yep yeah, that, I never really thought of it that way, but yeah, you're right. Um, the removal forum just doesn't exist in some colors. Yeah, they're just yeah, entire decks that can literally never remove or study. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, a very difficult card type to get rid of. Auras, not so much, but just straight up enchantments. Yeah, that can be problematic. Yep. Yeah, and I think I think a lot of, you know, in, enchantments in general have this reputation for being a little weaker. I think a lot of that comes from auras. And the weakness isn't the aura's effect. The weakness is just that you get two for one. Right. Yeah. 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 All, All right. right. Course, okay. Well, I will throw in my little answer to Scooby's question before we head on out of here. Scooby, I think Scooby Dave Dream. nailed it. I think Dave nailed it with the names, with the deck building strategy, the theory, the philosophy, all of it. I don't know much about... I don't typically buy a lot of EDH precons. I've seen them made. I've checked out the deck list, that sort of thing. I, I don't really know what r Wizards would release for PDH precons, but I will take it... 
I'll take it a different step. I used to love, absolutely love the dual decks. If Wizards made a four-pack of PDH decks that are meant to be played against each other, I would be ecstatic. I don't care what those decks are. I would be absolutely ecstatic. Like dual decks, but like pod. Like here, here's your pre-made pod. Like play these four decks, and here you go. The battle box. That would yeah, that a would battle box. There you the, go. That kind of solved the pricing issue a little bit too, because you could you could set a reasonable price point because you're buying four decks. Four of them. Yep. Yeah, I yeah. like it. I PDH like battle box. Here you go. You know, you yeah. can make, well, I guess however many of the decks you wanted to, you could put a legendary creature at the helm in case one of the players wanted to, wanted to take it to an EDH table, you know, solves that problem. Doesn't have to be every single deck, and not every single deck has to be like this crazy, you know, Dargo partnership where, you know, Malcolm or something like that, but they could be varying levels. Like here, you know, this PDH pod of decks is all partners and this pdh pod of decks over here is all three color commanders like you could theme each pod accordingly i think i think that would be cool that actually kind of reminds me of the um explorers of ixalan box set look for the board game uh that we play sometimes the little island thing because i think that actually came with four decks and the the idea was you would play those four decks with the island Um, okay so it was a bit of like a battle box thing um, and they were just like pretty low powered decks. And... Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of them had a grave pack in it, I think. What? Maybe I'm wrong. I don't remember. There's one thing that had that shit in it. You <laughs> said low powered. I was like, wait, I thought one of them was really strong. I, I don't know. I don't but even I, I, think I agree we looked at them much. I think they were just like, because like Exxon had tribes, right? It was like vampires, dinosaurs, pirates, yeah. and yeah. something else. I don't remember. Um, so I think I think they were I thought they were like mostly commons and just like not that strong, but maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Uh, no, I think you're probably right. I would think it might be something else. Yeah. Yeah, I think I've vaguely heard about what you're talking about, but I've never actually seen it. Yeah, the the I, I do Island remember there being something fun. like that. Yeah. <clears throat> but yeah, that's a good question. I don't know if it would be a weird feeling if Wizards came out and printed something directly for PDH, you know, acknowledging the format and sort of embracing it, but I think it could be fun. It'd be cool to get the word out, but I would be very worried. <laughs> and that's about as far as, yeah, that's as far as my excitement would go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because then they'll be uh, printing stuff directly into the form. Oh, yeah, I don't even want to think about that. Yeah. yeah it's, it's bad time. They kind of already do with the power creep that you mentioned earlier, the common power creep, like, Yep, it's already too much. So, it's already a little too much. So, let's yeah. not give them any hints. So, Gavin, if you're listening, just forget what we talked about. Yeah. One of them had a, <laughs> one of them had an aggravated assault in it. That was it. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I knew one of them had an expensive card, but I know the rest of it's all garbage. Yeah. But that'd be cool. I would like it because you can get it'd be another board game for us to play. Yeah, 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 it has to come with a board game also, just by the way. <laughs> God, I wish, I, I was so, I don't want to say invested, but I love I love the Phyrexians, I love the whole invasion story, I love the, the war, the, you know, 20 years ago or whatever it was. I, they were, it, the invasion, the newest Phyrexian story, the invasions, March of the Machines, the whole thing, it seemed like they were so, they had so much story to tell. I almost wish they would have released like an invasion of the multiverse board game to go along with these sets. Like that would cool. make a killer that would make a killer board game. Yeah, yeah, that'd be awesome. 
I would have snapped that, that like up easily. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, that would have been so cool. I don't know how you would play it or whatever, but I just think it, it just the story itself lends lends itself to being that type of game. I think. Yeah, yeah that could like you that. could even have like hidden roles, like somebody secretly completed and they don't tell you or something. You find out later. Yeah, that could be neat. sleeper agents. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that'd be super fun. Did do do we know whether or not the island was a commercial success for Wizards? Uh, I have no judging clue. by the fact that I think it's still not very expensive, I'm assuming not. <laughs> but I would love <laughs> if they just did more of those, like more tiles yeah. for like a different theme. That'd be sweet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I I bought a set of the tiles uh, a couple months back. Someone I think it's someone else fun. said. Yeah, I'm I'm I love the island. Yeah, I just wish it wasn't so fucking huge. There's no space on the battlefield anymore. Yeah, that's, <laughs> right, that's right. our problem. Yeah, we don't have our I mean, right. Where, where are you going to put your vanguard cards when the island is right there? Yeah, and plane chase right. is already on. What the about side. what about the plane chase? We haven't you have an undercity too, dude. Yeah, <laughs> it's too much to track. Excellent, excellent conversation. I think we're going to move on into the outro here. But I want to give you guys a big thanks for coming on. It is always a pleasure. I wish uh, I wish next week was our 60th episode to see you again. <laughs> It'll come before oh, you know. You can wait. You can wait 15 more episodes. <laughs> yeah. All right. Liam said he's got something big planned for that one, but he hasn't even told me or, or Alcadron, so oh, no clue no. what it's going to be. He's in La La right. Land right now. Let him. <laughs> let him. Let him enjoy it. Yep. All right. So we're going to move into the outro here, and uh, as usual, there's just a few more things before we wrap it up for the week. If you need any more Popper Commander talk or have any questions at all about the format, you can always email the show at thepdhpod at gmail.com. You can head on over to the PDH Home Bases website. That will take you right to their Discord server. Or you can find uh, Liam and I on Twitter at Popper Command and Popper underscore B. You can always find Dave as the Alcadron just about everywhere else PDH is being talked about. And uh, pals, where can listeners find you if they don't already know? Well, you can go on down every Tuesday and Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern to twitch.tv slash PDH pals. As I've said many a time at this point. (laughs) But we also have a Discord. We have a YouTube channel. If you go to the YouTube channel, the Discord is in every description of our videos. Of YouTube channels, also youtube.com slash pdh pals. Um, yeah, per- come check us out. Yeah, perfect. If, uh, if the listeners don't already have that stuff bookmarked, I will throw those down into the show notes so they can get, a, get, get on the right path there. All right, as episode 45 of the PDH Pod comes to a close, we want to give a big thanks to MTG Brad for letting us use their original music for the show. And from everyone in here to everyone out there, brew a deck, play some PDH, and we'll see you in about a week. Peace. Say bye, everybody. See you later, guys. Later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I brought proper text at the party. Rock, pop, protects at the party.